Live from Master Closet Studios, you're listening to the only podcast on the internet recording in the second dimension. Boom, boom, boom. It's the Noobs and the Whovian. My name is Austin. I'm the Whovian. These are my sons, Corbin and Tripp. And, and we're the Noobs. And this is the podcast introducing a whole new generation to Doctor Who by watching an episode each week and discussing it from the perspective of a dad who's seen it before. And, and two, two sons, sons who, who haven't. haven't. So welcome to episode number 124 covering series eight, episode nine, Flatland. This is the one where the Doctor and Clara help a grumpy old man with no... <laughs> Corbin changed it on me again. No, I no. did that. Oh. I didn't see it with no imagination. This is the one where the doctor and Clara help a grumpy old man with no imagination fight graffiti in the most sci-fi way possible. I wrote the doctor and Clara help uh, fight graffiti in the most sci-fi way possible, and Corbin added help a grumpy old man, and I was like, oh, I like that. And then <laughs> after that, who added with no that imagination? Oh, you did that. <laughs> I say from now on, you guys should write the recaps, oh, and I'm yeah. not allowed to read it until we're live. <laughs> uh, so this was story uh, number 250, originally airing October 18th. We're still a week behind. 2014 to 6.71 million viewers. Now, this one was uh, written by Jamie Matheson and directed by Douglas McKinnon, both of whom we have heard from before. But there were some interesting uh, notes about Jamie Matheson. So he pitched the idea for this story, like, I guess the overall, like, 2D character element of the story two years prior to this episode actually like becoming a thing. So like this, this idea was gestating for a while. Yeah. And he pitched the idea to Moffat. Moffat loved the idea, tasked him with scripting out the episode. And then after he wrote several drafts of the story, he was then told that he had to lock the doctor up somewhere (laughs) due to scheduling issues. Nice. So this this episode, and I remember thinking this while we were watching it, I was like, this feels almost like a Doctor Light episode. Yeah. But it what Except it, there was it lots of the Doctor. To be. Yeah, exactly. It was like, okay, so if if the communications had broken earlier in the episode. If it had broken like 15 minutes in. Yeah. And like then Clara's on her own as and the Doctor. And we see the Clara. Doctor every like 10 minutes or so. No, no, no. Like, like you don't see him at all oh, until yeah. the end. And then it's like, where have you been? You know, like that would be a Dr. Yeah. Light. So this was uh, kind of like that, except it was, that. It was getting there. Right. And so apparently what it was, if you, if you lock the doctor up somewhere and Matheson chose, I, I, so by the way, presumably that's where the idea for the cred- incredible shrinking TARDIS came in is that we need to get him trapped somewhere what if we trapped him in the TARDIS because the TARDIS shrinks? So I, I apparently that I, that whole idea came about like later, <laughs> like that was an afterthought. So if you lock him up in the TARDIS, then Peter Capaldi can come in and shoot all of his stuff real fast and get done. Yeah. And so that was the idea. So whereas they probably spent you know a whole week with the rest of the cast, you just had filming to do the episode. Like- yeah, he However, probably came in in a day yeah. and shot all of his bits. And then, you know, he's so he's in one place. You only have one character to light. You only have one angle to shoot. You boom, 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 get it done. And then do the rest with everyone else. Yeah. So it was like a Dr. Light without being a Dr. Light. Yeah. So yeah. I love this idea. I want to see the doctor get trapped somewhere <laughs> once a season from now on. The TARDIS uh, goes haywire. Pretty often. Uh, well, you know, exactly. So I loved that Clara 
like took on the doctor's role. Oh, that was amazing. We're gonna we're gonna talk. Yeah. We're gonna have a conversation <laughs> yeah. for sure. Guys, uh, Noobs in the Whovian is brought to you by R5 Website Management, where you can get your world-class hosting, domain registration, and security all at a great price. We've got a special deal going for you guys, as always, for Noobs in the Whovian's listeners. If you use the code Noobs, you get 15% off of your entire order. So head over to store.r5websitemanagement.com, book your domain, get your hosting, get your website builder, get whatever it is you need, uh, get a couple years worth of it, and throw it all on the cart, because when you use the code Noobs, you get 15% off the entire order. Uh, and then your your stuff renews at the regular price after that. Which, by the way, even when you don't have the coupon, our pricing is like pretty good. So by design. <laughs> so head on over to store.r5websitemanagement.com so you can get started on your awesome website today. Uh, so the checklist, uh, the name of the episode spoken in dialogue. Corbin, <laughs> Corbin, what were you saying? <laughs> I don't think I can muster that voice again. But basically <laughs> what I was saying is the only time they would have been able to say that is as a Terrible pun immediately following someone's tragic death. So <laughs> honestly, I'm like, <laughs> like that person just died. Or I guess you could say he flatlined. And, yeah! <laughs> and then you get socked in the face for making a terrible no, pun out of someone. You death. die. <laughs> no, he says that as he's sinking into the yeah. floor. A line truly worthy of CSI Miami. <laughs> uh, so the creature of the week was the boneless, which what was the great weirdest name? name? <clears throat> oh wait, what? Oh, we have we have conflicting opinions. Kind of like that name. <laughs> That's the dumbest name that has nothing <laughs> to do with what this villain is. <laughs> like, I mean, they could have been squid and been yeah. boneless. I mean, I I wish he had called them the spineless. So then it was that would have been this, that would have been great. Uh, you know, here's here's what I thought was weird was. I have, there was something like magic about it where he goes, I name you the boneless. You know, like if you name your enemy, you have power over him or something. (laughs) And I thought it was just weird. Like, I don't remember the doctor ever doing that before. Now, I I, hold on a minute. I'm sure Jared will hop in with some classic who connection where it's like, oh, this happened with every single classic who doctor. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why I did that voice. Jared doesn't sound like that. <laughs> Not even remotely. Oh yeah, guys, we get every single doctor. <laughs> so at any rate, um, it was it was kind of weird the way he did that, and he was like he was kind of holding them back with a with a, like a magic force field and pointing a magic wand at him when he said it. Yeah. So this was like the most sci-fi. I'm sorry, not sci-fi, but fantasy magic world. I pronounce thee the boneless. <laughs> if he had like come out of the harness wearing like a robe with a hood, it would and then, like, it wouldn't have been shot more out wizard like- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, 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 that struck me as odd, um, and the name was weird. However, yeah. the the boneless those creatures were terrifying. Oh yeah, on so many levels. Yeah, why are they just able to manipulate? stuff around oh. yeah they're like uh, <laughs> welcome to this week's edition of corbin has feelings please well, proceed <laughs> i gotta say if we ever end up breaking into the fourth dimension i think we're going to struggle to do anything let alone start like taking matter from around <laughs> us and building four-dimensional bodies out of it i just don't think that's gonna and then like really sapping green yeah, uh, yeah. no orange it, laser I mean, thingies yes yeah oh yeah it's like <laughs> these two-dimensional creatures that, by the way <laughs> i love the concept of energy in sci-fi 
because <laughs> sometimes they get so like a video game stuff. logic. Well, okay, so I yeah, can't just like chuck like a double A battery <laughs> at a computer <laughs> and expect it to turn on. Exactly. Exactly. Like, hey man, um, my laptop died and somebody hurls a nine volt through your screen. Oh, it's all better now. Or better yet, zaps it with a freaking lightning bolt and your computer is bricked and it fries. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it's kind of like, it's a little video game logic-y. Where yeah. like uh, is, it, is it PUBG or is it thing. Fortnite where you can just like chug an energy drink <laughs> yeah. or like wrap a bandage around your wrist? got shot in the head three times. Let me wrap up my <laughs> freaking <laughs> arms and I'm right. good to go. So so there's a there's a YouTube channel called Viva La Dirt League uh, that does video game logic videos, and they've got a great one on that where a guy gets like gut shot three times, and all of his buddies <laughs> it goes into like war movie mode where all of his buddies are like don't you die on me you know and, th- and this whole kind of like they're like on a bandage yeah he literally pulls out a bandage and starts wrapping it around his wrist and they're like uh i don't think you're getting the severity of the problem here he's like no no one more <laughs> he just keeps wrapping it on and, it's and like, then he goes that's not how yeah that's not how health works no. Where, you know, like if you just chug an energy drink or, or put an ace bandage around your wrist, it's going to heal your, your intestinal I, I perforations. I five-hour <laughs> yeah, exactly. energy. I love especially when like a shot to the head isn't an instant kill. Right, yeah, yeah. double damage. Yeah, <laughs> or, you know, so in this case, you zap whatever energy they were going to use to, by the Un-flatten. way, deflatten, yeah, deflatten the door. Uh, by the way, that went through the wall. Did y'all yeah. notice that? Just went yeah. through the paper. It went through the wall, but then hit the TARDIS, which, by the way, total side note about the TARDIS, TARDIS in siege mode needs to be amazing. a Rubik's Cube. Yeah. That thing looked amazing. <laughs> also, imagine yeah. if they made a Rubik's Cube oh edition of that. that <clears throat> he said cool. nothing can get in or out except for a ton of energy that's... Energy is a this something is, that shouldn't be able to get this, in or out. Is this out. the same logic that we use where... If you shot the golden arrow at the rocket, it made it overpower yeah. it, or something. Yeah, um, yeah, it's that same that same type of logic. I mean, you where, can apply energy to something by yeah. touching it, I guess, but it's not. Right, it doesn't work. If my like car that. ran out of gas and you threw a gas can <laughs> at, at, at a fence and some of it splashed through the fence and landed on my hood, I can't suddenly drive my car. Um, so, anyway, uh, we love Doctor Who. No, we but do. that's how the TARDIS <laughs> works. Uh, right, yeah. just absorb. Instead energy. of cutting so now, a hole through the wall, putting the poster over it and letting it go through the poster. Right, I did like, by the way, the the bit where the poster started to fall down. Yeah, and I was and like, oh no, notice. it's going to give away the plan, and they didn't stop. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like okay, sure. <laughs> so, uh, anyways, we were talking about the boneless though. So those things were just like crazy level of terrifying <laughs> whenever they were walking around. Yeah, like was everything horrifying. was like yeah. shifting and stuff. Yeah. And it looked like they filmed those actors walk, hey, walk like a zombie, yeah. basically. Zombie and then walk. applied Pixelated whatever special them. effects to it. <laughs> so like if they had just been walking that way, it would have been creepy. Yeah. But when you add in the special effects, A plus, A I like plus that for they the special were, effects on this one. I like the fact that they were having trouble being able to move. Because like, yes. if we jumped into because the second dimension. that, they were just that's, all powerful. That's the flip side to what Corbin was saying. Yeah. Where just because they can somehow, A, they've discovered the, sec- the third dimension. B, they're trying to break into it. 
And then as Corbin said, now they're just like even better at it than we are. Yeah. But Trip's like, no, it's we just tempered a little punch bit. Punch a hole through the third dimension and start grabbing fourth dimensional space and making bodies. And pulling out it of down it. into it's just not how it <laughs> that works. Is so terrible, man. When when there was like a nervous system on the wall. I was like, yeah. what is that all about? And then the doctor's like, that's what it actually is. It's an actual nervous yeah. system. Like, oh. That or better yet, imagine <laughs> Imagine we could just like grab them and suck them down into the <laughs> part of their walls or whatever. Like, and then just rip what? them apart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's weird to think that a lower dimensional entity would have that much power over a higher dimension. You would think the total opposite. Okay. All right. So by the way, by the way, under miscellaneous trivia, I can't believe I didn't put in here flat line as well as this whole story has got to have been influenced by the short story flat land whose author suddenly escapes me. Uh, Corbin, can you remember? No, no, but Google can. Uh, flat land was a short story written to try and talked about it before. I think so. Yeah. The idea was, how do you imagine How old a is this fourth book? Uh, it's very old. How Damn. do you imagine a fourth dimension, right? Yeah. And to try and help illustrate that idea, this author wrote Flatland. Corbin, you got oh the name yet? It was Edwin A. Abbott in 1884. Wow. Good grief. Edwin yeah. Abbott. So his whole thing was imagine if we discovered a second dimensional place, you know, mm-hmm. a, a world, <clears throat> and then you were looking down onto it. Yeah. You know, you would be able to, you know, for example, uh, a two dimensional creature would go into a locked room, right? And then they kind of hinted at this. And yeah, this had to be influenced by Flatland. Um, remember they talked about the, the, the locked room mystery? Mm-hmm. They, were, ah. they were trying to solve where the, the missing guy, and oh, they were like, yeah. maybe he's still in here. Part of that is in the story Flatland, a third dimensional creature is looking down upon a second dimensional world. He sees a creature walk into a room, close and lock the door, right? So you are looking, imagine looking down on a, on a picture, uh, on a, on a drawing of a circle walking into a room, right? Mm -hmm. There's no roof because there's no third dimension. So for us, we're looking down into it, Mm -hmm. but for that second dimensional creature, he is surrounded by walls and then you start talking to him. Whoa, and he freaks you? out because you have this disembodied voice. Because you're above <clears throat> him. <laughs> right, which he has no concept yeah, of. He doesn't know up because that's exactly. not a dimension. Right. And so then um, then the idea is, uh, so let's let's imagine um, you stick your finger into his room. From his from his point of view, you would just be a a growing circle as mm-hmm. you know the thickness of your finger increases. You would just be a circle that appears and grows, and then as you pull your finger back up, disappears. Whoa. And so, one, how did you get into this locked room? Yeah. And, you know, the answer is, well, it's not locked to me because there's a third dimension you can't access. And so, it's all this kind of stuff. So, they, yeah. they, they tie into a lot of those ideas, right? The, they, the locked room mystery. Yeah. Where did the guy go? Well, maybe he's still in here, you know, and that whole thing. Yeah. So, but this is <clears throat> that in, in Flatland. You go from the third dimension to the second dimension and then to the first dimension. So it's just lines. It's just points on a line. And they, he explains how society works and the difference between male and female and like all these crazy Obviously, things. all made up. It's not – he's just making this story up for the point of – How do you thought this was a documentary? 
When, <laughs> when in 1884 what? he discovered the real 2D universe. Yeah, I don't. I don't. What? What do you mean, That's man? It's fiction. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't believe and, it. And then this, he then he says, "Now imagine we're back in the third dimension, and a fourth dimensional creature starts talking to us. Yeah, you know, and like, that and that whoa. kind of thing. But in every case, you know, the higher you are in dimensions, the more advanced you are." Or the excuse me, the more advantage you have. Yeah, yeah. there's there's another. You may not be more advanced, the more but you access. Can. Well, because you, have. you, I mean, by definition, you are more advanced if you have access to up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and your enemy or your you know or the other person in the scenario doesn't. Squish. But in this case, the second yeah. dimension is reaching up into the third dimension, yeah. and seems to have more power. The second it's like, dimension what? found out how to go up, and now it's. Eating people and becoming three dimensions. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, at any rate, oh, and then uh, Orville, the Orville had an episode about this. You remember where they got oh, yeah. pulled oh, yeah. down into into two dimensions? And we're space? just riding through it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Star Trek: The Next Generation actually had an episode where they encountered beings that were essentially two dimensional. They were so incredibly flat that they they basically only existed in two dimensions. Were they or something like? Uh, I don't know if they got that into the <laughs> into the physics of it, but it's just like all right, it's <clears throat> so small, it's two D. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, um, anywho, guys. So moving on to uh, jiggery pokery, uh, we had <laughs> you know a couple things about the TARDIS this week. It's just a few. Uh, if y'all remember last week, I said this is my favorite TARDIS thing. Oh, like yeah. this. Okay, so for me, like when you're talking about TARDIS episodes, you've got this one. You've got the Doctor's Wife. You've got yeah. Uh, oh. Oh crap! What was the other one? House guy. Uh, uh no, jo- Journey to the Center of the Tardis. Yeah, um, yeah, the, the one house with House guy. was was a pretty good Tardis episode. I would put this as far as not as far as an episode, but as far as a concept of yeah. monkeying around with the Tardis. I would put this above even that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Oh and, no, I'm sorry. That was that was the Doctor's Wife episode. That was the same one where House yeah. Yeah. took over the Tardis. Yeah, yeah he took was. over because he ejected. The TARDIS like yeah. soul into uh, Idris. So um, this is one of my favorite things that we monkey around with the TARDIS. Like we've we've yeah. explored the infinity within, but then in this one, um, like I, I made the note, it's smaller on the outside. <laughs> you know, like, I just love the concept of them stepping out, and it was like three and a half feet tall, <laughs> and the Doctor could barely get out of yeah. it. And then and he's uh, reaching his hand through. <laughs> oh no, I'm talking about like AM first when yeah, you step yeah. out and it's like half size. Yeah. And then he goes back in and it's like, it's like oh, where no. are you? I couldn't help but notice that I am pretty sure that the the fully shrunken down TARDIS was roughly the same size as the paper mache version that Amy had made. <laughs> yeah. It was roughly that same size. Yeah. Um and uh, so so there's the bit where you know he he tells Clara, pick it up. And she's like, so you mean it's lighter? And he says, it's, it's always, always lighter. lighter. Yeah. If it landed on the earth with its true weight, it would fracture the planet. And it's because, well, yeah, on the inside, we, as we've discussed, it's, it's infinite. infinite. So if it's you infinite, can just loop things, like walk out of one room, walk back around, and you're in a duplicate of that room. Right, yeah, yeah. That is in a and parallel space. And apparently it just goes on forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's Though mul- we've seen the corpses of the TARDISes just laying on that one planet. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. So, well, I guess those were dead TARDISes, so maybe it's it's different after they're the dead. Corpses. <laughs> um, but at any rate, so um, 
I, then they, then we had that crazy line about something is leeching off the external dimensions. Apparently two-dimensional beings. Right, as we discover. So in the past, we had, uh, did he call it dimensional leak? The 11th Doctor when, when we were on... Um, I think so. A size leak, wasn't it? Something like that. Where you had the, like the giant version of the TARDIS at yeah. his grave. He called it, yeah, was it a size leak? That sounds right. That I sounds right. So. Um, where it just kept getting bigger. So that was the opposite here we have the, of the side Yeah, here we have the opposite where something is leeching off the external dimensions somehow. Like, and I love the like idea again. Shrinking the TARDIS. Has, yeah. Uh, yeah, by, by it, pulling off the dimensions. Flattening like, it entirely. Which right. Also, clearly the TARDIS is still a three-dimensional space. So right, no, no, no. It wasn't, yeah, that's the thing is it wasn't pulled down into two-dimensional space. It yeah. was just shrinking. Yeah, it, some of the dimension was, was leached Not out of it. Like, hap- that's just – Which that's happened just nothing else in this Techno episode. battle, you know, uh, jibberty-jabberty basically. Um, but I love uh, – yeah, I love the idea of the Doctor uh, doing uh, – <laughs> Oh crap! What was thing. it thing thing from the Adam? Yeah, she's like, haven't you seen the Adams family? And I had to, I had to explain to the kids, you know, it was like things was just a hand that lived in a box. In the old show, thing was just a hand that lived in a box, not on a and platter. The, the lid would open up, and the hand would come out and and do its funny little bit for that week. But then in the movie they did in the nineties, they went full CGI on it and he could get out of the box and run around oh, and it was gosh. creepy because imagine a hand that stops right about where your watch would go that's ah. all it was they have was. an animated movie that they just made yes yeah 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 they did where the dude holds it on the platter yes. or whatever yeah, that's, exactly. that's literally the, the only thing that I remember from I haven't, I haven't, actually, I haven't seen oh, okay. I was gonna say, I haven't I've seen just seen posters um, yeah so that that was interesting we also talked um, we also talked about how it seemed like in the episode it seemed as though, uh, not Clara, but uh, but actually Jenna Coleman was holding a you know toy sized version of the TARDIS that had an LCD screen at oh, the doors yeah. because it didn't seem like it was green screen where they added the Doctor back in. It looked like an LCD screen yeah. attached to that thing, it's and it was ha- weird. They just put a phone inside. I mean, of it. unless they just <laughs> yeah, a phablet yeah. or something. Yeah, what a phablet? <laughs> Never heard of a phablet. No. Oh, okay. So like it's when when phones tablet. kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and they they were approaching the size of a small tablet. <laughs> they started calling them phablets. And now they just call them phones. Because <laughs> now it's like, oh, an eight-inch screen in your hand, in your pocket as a phone, that's just totally normal now. Yeah. Oh, why not? Uh, yeah. So at any rate, um, now they're making them where they can like fold in half and all that crazy stuff. That's I think amazing. I saw one that literally just bends at all points along the thing. So you can just fold it into a circle or something like that. <laughs> that's what I'm waiting for, the one that you just unroll like a scroll. <laughs> um, but at any rate, um, it, it was a weird together. special effect that they also – in certain parts didn't do a great job of marrying up the presumable LCD screen with now his hand is actually coming out and handing her a Sonic. So they had to do these weird cuts 
And some of it was not real smooth. Like it was, you know, yeah. they were trying, which is weird when you consider how amazing the boneless special effects were. <laughs> oh, yeah. all their budget on them. <laughs> that must be what it was. They were like, uh, guys, we don't have any more green screen money, so we're just going to have to put them on a phone. You know how we had to the rewrite the script? <laughs> going to have to glue a, a phone inside the TARDIS. <laughs> inside a yeah. little wooden box. It was really weird. It looked like, it, it didn't look like he was actually poking his face through a hole. It looked like, there was a piece of plexiglass that he had his face like pressed up against. How long? This is kind of weird. Uh, the psychic paper made uh, a great showing this week. Clara got to use it first of all. Yeah. Uh, oh, Corbin, what was what was this bit here? I was just wondering if you say this piece of paper is blank, do they see it as as blank, like it actually is? Yeah. So if you tell, is it somebody, even actually blank, or ooh, do we just see it? That that's, way? that's what we see it in the fourth fourth wall break it actually says you're an idiot <laughs> <laughs> so normally you would say uh you know i'm with the i'm with mi5 and she flashes it and they see yeah. mi5 or you don't lead them at all like the doctor said i'm your worst nightmare flip and he's like a well, mystery shopper that is technically a lead but also like a mystery shopper is just well that's the thing is like sometimes they'll the doctor will suggest something sometimes he leaves it completely up to them and so corbin is saying if you suggest this is a blank piece of paper what would they see and i am infinitely fascinated by that Probably and then we had they would see what they would expect to see so if you tell them and then they actually expect to see a blank piece of that's paper, what, exactly yeah so would they, they see would it see a blank yeah that's what yeah so then Supposedly. just a few minutes later uh, the one guy saw a blank page. He's like, mm -hmm. this is blank, madam. Try right. And the doctor says, Whoops. it takes quite a lack of imagination <laughs> to stop a psychic paper. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. Like, this guy is so unimaginative that this, he can't even fill in the psychic paper with his own imagination. <laughs> like, like, that's amazing. What? Uh, let's see. Under needless sacrificial death, um, Riggsy tried to sacrifice himself, uh, but <laughs> Clara wouldn't let him. I quite like that hairband. <laughs> <laughs> I got and, a hairband. And then I love too. that, um, as as we later uh, pointed out, he would have died for nothing. Yeah. yeah. So, like, had he gone well, I gotta through go with stop him, it, he would have become instantly flat. flattened and nothing and happens And doesn't slow it. them down at all. So, it like, he goes on the list of almost needless sacrificial death. Like, <laughs> Not they didn't even seem to be doing anything. It looked like they were just sitting at the end of the tunnel making lights flicker. Yeah. And then they sent a train at it and they for no reason, it, they and call, then they started They referred to it as a barricade that they were going to punch through with the train. And I'm like, what's the barricade? And then they ran the opposite direction. Well, you know, there's there's that. Also, is Riggsy supposed to be Banksy or something? Like, they have similar-ish names, and if you don't know, well, Banksy is a very famous graffiti artist yeah. in in england I, why did i forget england and <laughs> <laughs> uh what's the name of that country uh you know you know like, that one yeah. that so are, are there any the other time? similarities though because i couldn't i don't know because i know pretty much nothing about banksy i just when i heard his name over and over again and the fact that he was a graffiti artist that was the first thing that came to my mind he spray painted a door that saved the universe uh, what? Did he do that in his career? Did Banksy do that? No. Yeah. Um, yeah, you brought that up during the thing, and other than their names sounding somewhat similar, I don't, I don't know any other connections. Maybe there, it's just, so. yeah, maybe it's just, a subtle nod. Yeah. I, I don't know, yeah. or maybe Riggsy is just a very uh, common 
name. The thing is, I don't know if Banksy was even known at the time. When was this? Like 2013? This is 2014. Banksy's been around for a long, long time. Yeah. Oh, has he? Okay, then. Certainly six years. Yeah. Uh, So under other stuff we noticed, um, he said, (laughs) the doctor says, I don't mean edible pie. Edible pie, I mean circular pie, which I understand could also mean edible pie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was like, as soon as he said circular pie I was like wait a minute and then he went ahead and said what I was thinking I thought that was great it's like wait uh, let's see the yeah. way tw- oh okay so the, the guy with number 22 on his jacket the way he went out and got pulled into the second dimension was amazing I, he oh, looked yeah. like he was just standing there and then as Clara like leaned over to the side she wow. could see it was just <gasps> a optical yeah. illusion he was actually painted on the wall I kind wow. of Thought that was going to happen, and as soon as I did, I was like, he doesn't look like he's actually there. He looks like right. his feet aren't actually touching the ground right, or right. anything. And he was like way too still. Yeah. And not paying attention to anything. So there were, yeah, there was a little bit of a. Uh, but he was there when there. he was like looking at Right. He had sure. just been there. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and that is, by the way, that effect um, where like the paint, like some of the paint is on the cabinet and then some of it's on the wall behind yeah. the cabinet, but it's like skewed so that uh, it, when you look at it just the right angle, um, it's like a forced perspective painting. Just the right angle because seen, they just so happen to be standing. I've in seen the some angle. stuff right, for yeah. a game like that coming out where you can do that sort of thing. I don't even know what to Google to find the game, but you can force perspectives and stuff like you take an object in the game and you can push it down a hallway and then you get closer to it and whoa, it's super big now. Oh and yeah, you can do that yeah, yeah, same yeah, sort of that. stuff. Yeah, what, what was that? that? I can't remember. I don't know. Dang it. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks for that input. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was an interesting. No, I, I, I saw the same commercial. Yeah, where you like, yeah, you, you push something further away, but then you grab it as though it's right in front of you, and it's huge, or uh, or vice whoa, versa. Whoa. Yeah. Um. So that I love that type of artwork. Um, sometimes graffiti artists will do this on like on the ground and they'll make it look like, you know, this very 3d looking, um, maybe like a, a pool and somebody's like acting like they're going to dive it, into it. But then if you turn sideways and look at like, if you, if you turn to the side of the painting on the ground, it's just this really elongated looking thing. So when you elongate it like that and then put it across multiple surfaces, it looks like something that's right in front of you when it's not. And I, I love I love them applying that to like real life, yeah. <laughs> like having somebody get sucked into the second dimension that particular way. So uh, they did a lot of interesting uh, stuff with perspective on this one. Uh, and then under, uh, also under random stuff, we noticed we had the train. Uh, the, the first train that we saw running down the tracks was number A one thirteen, which is why? a well, okay, so it is a nod to. Uh, oh no! What was it? The uh, California? Uh oh! It was the room that a bunch Pixar of people from Pixar came from a particular college. Right. Class. So it's the California Institute of Arts for Graphic Design and Character Animations. Jeez, um, that's a sorry, really sorry, sorry. Long name. No, no, no. The <laughs> California Institute of the of the Arts has a classroom for graphic design and character animations. Like that is a very specific room number college. A, yeah. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's room number A113. And so it is uh it's it's a fun little Easter egg that you find in a lot Every of stuff. Single. And here's the here's the interesting thing. This says it is an animation in joke. This is according to the Wikia, an animation in joke first known to originate in the Amazing Stories episode The Family Dog. 
So amazing, amazing stories. stories. Yeah, that was it was kind of a Twilight Zone type of type of show or it was like an anthology thing. And supposedly one of the first known references to A113 as an in-joke is in that episode. I'm pretty so, sure it's in like almost every single Pixar movie. Yeah, yeah. so if you look is. out in, in most Pixar movies, it's in there. So A113 is a visual gag in the same way that yeah. the Wilhelm scream is an audible yeah. gag. So um, I did think it was interesting that in an episode about two-dimensional characters becoming three-dimensional, we had a nod to A113. That was, that was fun. Under uh, Who's Who, uh, we added in Who is Riggsy this week. Um, Trip, what, what did you have here? So, like, he knew all the numbers of the people that died. That yeah, he was so weirdly random. obsessed with everyone's it's jacket like number. 55. Oh, that's whatchamajigger, dude. 22. Oh, that's you. Right, it's like, yeah. no, not look. Not everybody looked down at their jacket and happened yeah, to like, realize, oh, I'm 22. 22. Right. Even the guy didn't realize he was 22. Yeah, he, he had a check. He's like, oh, oh, yeah, that is me. I, yeah, Corbin, you were kind of mentioning what the doctor's guesses were. The atomic weight of cesium. Uh, mm-hmm. The What was it? The 11th number Fibonacci. in the Fibonacci sequence or something like that? Yeah. And he's um, like, I know what is our cesium? jackets. That's that an really? element. Is it really? Yeah. Why do you go for the atomic really mass and not salads. the atomic number of a... I don't know. Did he say mass... He said, it's, I think he said atomic mass of season. Maybe 55? he said number. What? A, wait, no, AU is something different. Just yeah, that's astronomical up. units. That's different. Or atomic units. What, what are you was it, 55? About? It could be, yeah, it was number 55. That, yeah. oh wait, no, that is cesium. Live research. That one's cesium. It wasn't atomic weight. It was the atomic number. There you go. Okay. Uh, so, uh, anything else about Riggsy? He was kind of awesome. Um, it, yeah. I don't really think <laughs> yeah. he was as smart as like everybody said he was. Well, it started out he was doing oh, smart stuff, he, but then well, it, it was only he realized the jacket number. He showed them the apartment, so and he was cleaning graffiti. His like, whole thing, you know, the doctor called him fluorescent pudding brain. It's <laughs> <laughs> the weirdest insult yeah. ever. But the the general idea of him having like. I don't know, folksy knowledge. Not folksy knowledge. He called him local knowledge. That's what he called him. Was he's gonna and 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 early on, you know, there was the bit about how do we get out of this room? Oh, we go through this door, it's super dangerous, but I know how to get through and blah blah yeah. blah. You know, so he he had that, he that was bit of information. There. Yeah. Was just the, the other thing was he was what? Spring. Clara's companion. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He didn't really didn't do a whole that. lot. Huh? He well, still he I mean, saved he, the TARDIS. He was the guy saved that the told. world with a painting. Well, yeah. okay. okay. All right. Yeah. Just towards the oh, end wait, of the yeah. episode. The world. Towards the end of the episode, all he <laughs> seemed to be there to do was to point them which direction to go. And then he paints a picture that somehow saves the world and, you know. Somehow. Everything is great. I'm failing to see why he was not important then. Like, he was their guide. <laughs> yeah. Like, all they did was point them the way that they had to go so that they could, you know, survive. Like, know. that sounds and like an important job to me. saved like, their lives by painting a picture. He was... A guide. He tried to sacrifice himself and failed. And all right, this is one of those times where I think you're just crapping on something just to crap on it. I don't no, think really. I was. Yeah, I had I a feeling right. of like he doesn't seem to be doing a whole lot. He's like, oh, we can go down this door. This is what. This is what I mean. The more it's you one of those think about it, the more like, you realize. Yeah, you're like he didn't do that much. All he did was, and then list fifteen critical things that he did, did throughout he, the course of the episode. Did he like I know he said, oh, I can show you around this dangerous area but then it didn't and then feel he like, tried to make the sacrifice play 
I feel Clara like saved him. everyone was like, and then he, oh, here's all the exits. Everyone knows we don't even need you to tell us. And then everyone was just going whatever direction they wanted. He wasn't like specifically saying, okay, Corbin hates we should go this. So who is Clara? Uh, <laughs> she is still hiding things from Danny and the doctor. I hate he's like lying. We're back is, to this. I hate that. Like, out of lying this, is a good human instinct or whatever. Uh, not a survival instinct. Yeah. Is what he said, but I hate that out habit. of all of this, like character development, she's just started lying to the people she cares about. And then of yeah. course is failing miserably even at that. So <laughs> like a little bit. Yeah. I just, uh, I still hate, hate this i i I don't like that they have this conflict i i don't either i don't either i hate she sometimes i hate it when shows put conflict in a show because like you got to have conflict and i'm like it doesn't we already have like two-dimensional monsters breaking into the third dimension we don't have to have have to have calling right we don't also need her like trying to talk to danny while swinging away from yeah 2d monsters at the end when like Nothing was going on. Then she just she, hangs up. On she him. hangs up. Didn't even and let stop. it ring. She yeah. Now that it's all done, on him. that I hate. I hate. I hate. I hate that trope. And it happens in lots of shows. Not not even not just Doctor Who. Not even just science fiction. Lots of shows where someone calls at the exact wrong moment, and I'm like, this is why you have ignore buttons. Mm-hmm. This is why you have decline the call button. You know, or like Corbin said, just let it go to voicemail. You don't even have to hit decline. Um, why would you ever answer the phone? In the why would you do anything other than sur- survive yeah. when you're in that situation? Oh, I'm about to die, but I should probably talk to him. Oh, Even though this doesn't again. hold up with my story very well, it would actually make <laughs> more sense if I let it go to voicemail. It's like, uh, oh, sorry, Danny, I'm dying right now. Yeah, yeah let it let it go to voicemail and then make him an excuse later. I was in the bathroom, like whatever. And and <laughs> oh, I did lots, have of, the lots same of shows thing and movies you said dudes. anyways. Right. Which right. is just, I was helping a dude. Yeah, I didn't I was doing see a the phone call. Right. You know. Uh, so in this episode, as we hinted at earlier, she was the doctor. She was the Clara doctor. Yeah. Um, doctor she, Oswald. Yeah, and and there was a okay. So Trip, you you talked about the doctor saying uh, lying is a good survival skill. I, earlier today, it just so happened I was listening to last week's episode of our podcast. Yeah, and we talked about. Um, we talked about the, oh no, oh no, it's, it has gone away. Uh, it was about lying and it was about the doctor and it was about <laughs> something. Oh, lie to them and give them false hope. Thank you. Thank Exactly. Um, oh, that was this week. Yeah. Wow. That, that was, was this week. Last week it was about lying to Maisie. Yeah. And how bad she felt about all that. And we were having that conversation about how the doctor made her lie. And, you know, Corbin was really going off about, you know, Clara is worthless and shouldn't exist and definitely didn't need to be in this episode. Mm -hmm. And um, I I think I got that right. (laughs) I think I, I think I summed up your much more emotion. (laughs) But we were talking about how uh, Corbin was, was off on a tear about her having to lie to a woman she just met and blah, blah, blah. And then this week we're doing it again, but except this time it was her choice it was, to do it. And she was okay yeah. with it. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, I don't like when you make it. me lie. So I'm just going to lie the same way you would, but without asking. Well, you I think that, I think that's the thing is that last week she said, I don't like lying for you. 
And this week, she came to the conclusion on her own. She's like, oh, that's why you do this. This why is why you do this. False hope. Right, because she's never been in that position. Yeah. How about this this bit where the doctor was coaching her and um, he says, a leader is about to emerge in your little group. Make sure it's you, Yeah. right? So he's like, t- he was giving her doctor lessons. Mm-hmm. He was like teaching her how to be the doctor. And part of that was she came to the realization, being in that role, I've got to give them false hope. Yeah. And then the, do- <laughs> the doctor says, yeah, people who have hope tend to run faster. That's for sure. <laughs> That was so oh. terrible. He's like, people that don't have hope tend to, and she goes, dawdle and die. And I was like, oh my gosh, like we're Jeez. talking so practically about, <laughs> about all of the horror that comes into play with the doctor's world. Um, but yeah, so he he like coached her through this. She's coming to realizations. Um, she, she says at one point, what would the doctor do now? And then she says, no, what would I do now? Yeah. Um, there was there was the line that she had about rule one of being the doctor: use your enemy's power against them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is rule one of the doctor? The doctor. Don't wait. Lie. Don't lie. I don't the doctor lies. Oh, the doctor lies. I remember what that, Melody that used to always say. That was rule one of the doctor, not of how to yeah, be the doctor. I get what you're saying, but but Melody's you know rule one: the doctor lies, and. I thought it was interesting that in an episode about lying the way the doctor does, right on the heels of an episode of the doctor made me lie and I hate him for it, she said, rule one of being the doctor, use your enemy's power against them. Instead of rule one of being the doctor, lie. But rule two, use your enemy's power against them. Yeah. yeah. So I, I thought that was an interesting um, – I thought it was a, an interesting juxtaposition, an interesting turn of phrase to say – Rule one. Yeah. Because we've heard that multiple times. I think and it, it always just, meant the same thing. Yeah. yeah. The doctor lies. So uh let's see. Uh oh, I just made a note here. She saved the world again. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Just normal. Right. Broken pain. And um the doctor says, you know, she says, Why won't you admit that I was good? And finally he turns around and says, You are an exceptional doctor, and then in goodness had nothing to do with it. And it's just like God, ouch! Because like, the doctor's not what? good. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, Corbin, this stupid. also reminded me of something from the last episode where you were saying how terrible it was for Clara to have somebody like Danny Pink in her life, telling her that the doctor is not good when he is so clearly good. And I went, "Is he though?" <laughs> I was kind of like, "But you I mean, know, genocide." <laughs> But you know, is he good? You're not a good is doctor. more questionable. But does he, the majority of the time, do good things? And I'd say yes. Sure. Out of the billions sure. of sure. times, yeah. Every once in a while, he doctors. goes on a baby killing rampage. But <laughs> the majority of the time, he's you know. I would I, I would say that one of the things that I do like about Doctor Who is that our main character, our hero is severely flawed and is not always good yeah he's not not always gonna make the right he's not captain america uh which well even captain america eventually got a beard and (laughs) his his having a beard being his flawed well (laughs) in 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 you know one or two of the movies 
his uniform got real dark and his hair got long and he oh, got a I'm beard. So gloomy. Which, yeah, exactly, exactly. It was the it was the universal symbol was, of ooh, maybe he's a good guy with an maybe edge. He's gonna become like Batman. <laughs> Thor he never can. Batman. Uh, like no, Thor, Thor just got fat, if you'll recall. Yeah. Uh, Thor got The sad. big Lebowski doctor. Uh, <laughs> Thor. <laughs> doctor. Oh, my God. <laughs> I now want to see the doctor played by Lebowski. <laughs> by the big Lebowski. The dude. Uh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> the dude with a sonic screwdriver. Oh, my God. Uh, Trip, put it on the list. <laughs> There's a movie that, I don't know, maybe maybe we should watch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. I'll, I've only seen it once. Uh, I'll, I'd have to rewatch it and see if it's suitable. Uh, at any rate, who is the doctor? Um, he says, can you not just let me enjoy this moment of not knowing something? It happens so rarely. <laughs> Um, haven't we, hasn't this been kind of a theme with yeah. 12? How much he loves not knowing something? He's like, oh, another thing. Yeah. Oh, I mean, when I don't you know. know everything, I'm sure it must feel exhilarating to not know something. Yeah. I mean. To come across something you don't know. Yeah. yeah. And the joy of figuring it out. Oh. And, know, and now you know, you know, so like he loves not knowing something, but it also drives him crazy because <laughs> now he has to know the thing. And then he says at the very end, in his, you know, uh, all he was missing was the wizard robes. He had everything else. I am determined <laughs> to play my role, the man who stops monsters. Ah. So there you go, Corbin. Nee, 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 nee. <laughs> I'm a monster. It definitely would have been a moment for that. <laughs> definitely would have been a moment for that. Uh, guys, Noobs in the Whovian is also brought to you by listeners like Victor, Jared, and James. If you find value in what we do and want to give a little bit of value back, here's what you can do. Head over to noobsinthehoovian.com slash support. Become a supporting patron of family-friendly independent media. You can join for as little as a dollar a month through Patreon, or $5 a month uh, will get you a shout-out on the show. $15 a month uh, will make you a hosting host, and you'll actually get to guest host on an episode of the podcast. But there are other ways at noobsinthehoovian.com slash support. You can support one episode. You can support one season. Uh, if you s- support an episode, you'll get a shout out on that one episode. If you support a season, uh, we'll shout you out the whole dang season. How about that? How about that? Huh? <laughs> I think that's um, that's either $15 or maybe $17. All of a sudden, I can't remember now how much it was mm-hmm. to, to support yeah. a full season. Uh, but it's somewhere somewhere in there. And uh, guys, um, one thing that uh, I have been amazed about here recently is uh, I'm part of a couple of different podcasting groups and everybody is always saying like, how do we, you know, how do you get sponsors and how do you get support and, and all those kinds of things. And we're just a little hobby podcast. One thing I learned very quickly after joining those groups is not everyone is a hobby podcast. Like to me, podcasting is that story show. It's the morning stream. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of these like independent guys that just started out or guys and gals that started out, you know, in their house. Yeah, let's do it. A lot of them are still in their house uh, recording. (laughs) And, but then you do have like these professional podcasters that like came out of radio or they're a business person and they don't have any idea what a podcast is, but they like are jumping on the bandwagon. We're going to make money out of it. Right. And they do it solely to make money. And as we've said, guys, like we'll keep making this show even like if, if like, uh, if Spotify finally gobbles up all of the podcasts and that's the only way you can listen is by like paying 
to have a stream on Spotify and we can no longer release episodes to the public, we'd probably keep recording anyway, just because we have fun and we would yeah. just store them on our hard drives for no one else to listen to. I don't know. <laughs> but um, like we're, we'll we're sell them in CD. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you didn't go thumb drive. You went CDs. We're going to cut them on vinyl and make them records. Um, but anyways, guys, we, we do this because we love Doctor Who and we like talking about it. And so we are flabbergasted on a regular basis that anybody listens, let alone that we have um, three people that on a regular basis are actually donating to us. Um, so if you want to, if you find value in what we do, as we say, if, if you enjoy your enjoyment even more because of, uh, of our crazy antics and banter, uh, which by the way, stick around for the uh, bonus content this week. Oh, there's, oh, yeah. there's what? Three minutes of bloopers. I think <laughs> um, if you enjoy all that stuff, um, can just consider supporting something as little as a dollar a month, um, would go a long way. Um, and you can sign up where it's just giving on a, on a monthly basis. You don't even have to think about it, but, um, $5 a month. You don't even have to think about it except for those times where we say your name on the podcast. So Anywho, head on over to noobsinthehoovian.com slash support and uh, get get started supporting uh, a show that hopefully you love. I was about to say a show <laughs> that you love and then I lost confidence. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we didn't really have anything in Can We Talk About, did we? No, not really. We kind of talked was debating, about Yeah, we kind of already Yeah, we were talking we about the, got to that. The, the Clara Doctor. Uh, so that just brings us down to our classic Who connection. Let's uh, take a listen to what Jared has to say this week. Hello, noobs in the Whovian. This is Jared with your Classic Who connections for Flatline. So the connections this week are all about the TARDIS. Uh, first off, the TARDIS has been shrunk before. Uh, we talked about the miniscope before from the serial Carnival of Monsters. Remember, the miniscope is uh, kind of like a, um, a box that you look into that holds a miniaturized world of actual living things that have been shrunk down. And so when the TARDIS uh, lands inside the miniscope, it's miniaturized. Uh, and that's with the third doctor. Of course, the difference here being that the people are miniaturized also and not just when they're in the TARDIS. Uh, so, you know, if they come out of the TARDIS, they're also miniature. And so it fits in with the world. But it, it, the TARDIS did shrink down in that. So I'll count that as a connection. Um, in Planet of Giants, back with the first doctor, the TARDIS doors opened of their own accord while in mid-flight. And so that caused the TARDIS and the inhabitants to be shrunk down. Again, when they left the TARDIS, they were still small. And uh, spoiler alert, they were in a world where all the people were looked like giants, but they weren't really giants because it was just that the uh, TARDIS and its crew were small. So again, not quite the same concept here. A little bit more similar uh, in Logopolis, the master messed with the block transfer computation on Logopolis. And if you can tell me, it, it, at, at that time in Doctor Who, block transfer computation was brought up multiple times in, in multiple serials. So if you can tell me what it really means, uh, that's awesome. I've never quite understood it. Maybe I'm just not enough of a math whiz. But anyway, uh, so the, the master messed with the block transfer computation, and that caused the TARDIS to reduce to about the size of a dollhouse. And the people stayed, the TARDIS crew stayed the same size. Now, that may just be because they weren't inside it. I don't know. But uh, anyway, that's much more similar to what we have uh, going on here. And 
That was uh, the fourth Doctor's final serial. I know we've talked about Legopolis before. Um, the the reason for going to Legopolis was the Doctor was going to finally fix the uh, chameleon circuit on the TARDIS, and it just never happened. And then uh, we got a regeneration to the fifth Doctor. So um, it, it, that's, a, that's an episode worth checking out. All right, uh, we haven't seen the console switch used to open the TARDIS doors in quite some time. We've seen it closed in New Who from a switch, but not to open it. And that was, if you remember, if you've done the classic Who rewinds with the Noobs and the Whovian and you remember uh, seeing like An Unearthly Child or other uh, early episodes, you, you probably would have, you would have seen that and you might remember it. So uh, we haven't seen that at all in New Who, but it was a regular occurrence in classic Who, especially early classic who like with the first doctor who had in his head what every single switch on that console did uh you know that that was he he would open and close the doors from there a lot now the first time that we heard that the tardis had a heart was in the serial arc of infinity with the fifth doctor and that's where the baddie maxel removes part of the heart of the tardis and finally, I looked around and couldn't find and couldn't remember any instances of siege mode for the TARDIS in Classic Who. Uh, I'm just saying that because I figured you guys might be asking that. Uh, have we seen siege mode before? And that's a first so far as I can find. All right. Well, I, I liked this one. I got to tell you, uh, we we haven't had a rant uh, uh, for a while, a, a doctor rant or, or, or you know, kind of uh, it is defended speech. And as much as I love watching David Tennant deliver those with the spittle flying everywhere, um, I, I think that... Uh, the 12th Doctor needs more of them, uh, more of those speeches, because he really shined with it. And I really believed him. You just don't mess with that doctor, you know, I, I, if, if he's defending something. So uh, I think that was excellent. Um, I, I'm starting, as I said last time, I'm starting to come in and, and start to enjoy Capaldi more. And so I, I, I enjoyed him in this one. Yes, the episode, I think, had some holes and flaws that you guys have probably already talked about what I'm thinking of. And uh, if not, well, so be it. Uh, but uh, things like, well, why is the doctor shrunk? But then when he tries to get out, he's too big to get through the doors. And that just seems to not make sense to me. But anyway, uh, again, you probably talked to it all, uh, talked about it all already uh, completely. So anyway, still liked enough to give it 8.5 out of 10. Hermit crabs with a TARDIS shell, of course, referencing the doctor's hand coming out and moving the TARDIS across, which was perhaps one of my favorite parts of the episode. Um, I don't know what that says about me, but that, anyway. And uh, for creep levels, I did think the 2D uh, creatures were pretty creepy, especially once they had uh, wore the stolen people as like costumes and were moving along, kind of like weird zombie things. So uh, I, I'm going to give it 250 creep levels also because it seemed like there wasn't much of a defense against them. So, uh, yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Thank you, guys. Uh, thanks to the TARDIS Wikia, as always. And thanks to Noobs and the Whovian for having me on. And I look forward to bringing you more Classic Who Connections next time. Awesome. Uh, so, Jared, um, I can see where Jared had some confusion about the he said the doctor shrunk, but he didn't shrink. So he referenced a classic who episode where 
the TARDIS, as he put it, the TARDIS and its inhabitants were shrunk down. So when they came out of the TARDIS, they had shrunk along with the TARDIS. So like that's that's an interesting you know concept for a show to do. But what I thought was great about this one was they went a completely different direction. The outside yeah. dimensions shrank, but the inside didn't. Yeah. So the doctor mm. remained the same size. He never shrunk down. Um, at one point, um, when she set the TARDIS up and opened up the doors and Riggsy was looking in and she was like, see, look, tiny little man. And Corman was like, whoa, wait a minute. Why is he shrunk all of a sudden? And I was like, he's not. He's, he's across away. the room. And then he walks up to the right yeah. and as he gets closer then his like the only thing that fits in the doorway is his is his face oh, you know? hi guys right and he could barely get his hand through there so um yeah that was that was the difficulty there was uh the the outside dimensions shrank but the inside dimensions were unaffected <laughs> so apparently we've had an episode where it was everything got affected yeah so that's um that's hilarious and i, I that is by the way that's an ingenious solution to we have to lock the doctor away somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So you you already are messing around Except with the idea of- that we never got an explanation, really. It no. was just, yeah. oh, no. drained power makes that, it smaller? That, yeah, they were draining the power and the dimension. Right. And so when they zapped it <laughs> back with their, you know, when they threw the nine volt battery at it, uh, that allowed him to restore the exterior dimensions? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know. Spacey wacy, whatever. Um, so Jared gave it eight point five out of ten. Herbert crabs with a TARDIS shell. That was, I, Trip was like, great. What? And I was like, you know, where he was crawling along with the hand, and then yeah, that made like, that like so much more creepy. I was, like, I was like, oh, it's a little Herbert crab <laughs> That or he was like, Jared's got jokes about the Doctor's hand looking like a hermit crab. I don't know. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to go ahead and kick us off on our end. I gave it nine out of 10 LCD screens stuck in the TARDIS. Um, I, this was fun. As I mentioned last week, this is one of my favorite things we've ever done with the TARDIS. Um, I love getting to play around with infinity and contradictions like bigger on the outside uh, yeah. or bigger on the inside, you know, and all those kinds of things. I love that. Then you have what I'll, I will go into further in a minute, a very creepy episode with a very creepy villain. Uh, a very creepy monster who, by the way, I love that Clara and the doctor tried to give them the benefit of the doubt that yeah, they didn't like, know what they were doing. Maybe they're just dissecting <laughs> yeah. us to see what we are. And right. Don't and know they, what they are. They might not even realize they're hurting us. And then the doctor's like, nope, you're <laughs> monsters and you've yeah. accepted your role. So I'm going to accept my role, the man who stops monsters. So Rah. as as Jared said, Hurrah. we had a great I am the doctor uh, rant moment. Yeah. All of that. Um, fun romp, good special effects, uh, with the expe- with the exception of the LCD screen. What about you guys? What do y'all think? I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, I've complained a little bit, but I'm still gonna yeah. say uh, eight out of ten candy tardises. What is? I, I'm, I'm missing candy the reference. Tardises? I just uh, both of the smaller <laughs> versions of the Tardis looked like a cookie or something. I don't know why. <laughs> what did it look like? Our gingerbread house? Like, yeah, kind of did. Our gingerbread yeah. Tardis. Yeah, it just it looked like candy or something. So <laughs> nice, uh, trip. What about you? Um, yeah, I think it's it, a typo. Tardi? No, it's the plural of Tardis. <laughs> oh, it literally is. Was it supposed to be? Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I think this was a good one. I mean, I like the idea of the two D thing. I'm not sure how good they pulled it off, though. Yeah. 
because... There has been better. Like, yeah, you could have... I don't know. They seem too powerful. I know that we needed... Oh, that part of it, yeah. I know that we needed a... You're not talking about the special effects of the 2D things. Oh, no, those were amazing. The the character that is the boneless. I mean, to be fair... The baddie, the creature, whatever. If we were somehow able to access the next dimension, we would uh-huh. probably already be incredibly powerful. So we might be able to start grabbing. I think, I think that's around. part of the idea. Yeah. Yeah. You know, doing stuff with it, but so o- overall trip, what do you got? Um, eight out of 10 cold, a tart eye. Cause it was freezing at the end with <laughs> the dude. He's like, <laughs> I don't think it was the cold that was getting to him. It was the lack of oxygen. Yeah, it was a little bit of both. He did say it was cold. So also uh, if it's infinite, then there should be, Infinite, infinite ox- heat oxygen. oxygen. Oh, that's oh, yeah. true. Oh, and I heat, didn't even think of that. I guess. And I mean, power. If, if the entire TARDIS is 80 mm. degrees everywhere, then it should... Wait, is that how that works? It should take a really long time for the temperature to drop. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Same like, with the air. Uh, so Jared gave it 250 out of 500 creep levels. Anybody want to go first? Trip, um, you already got your number there. Yeah, I'm going to put mine a little bit lower at okay. 130. I I do like the idea of them like pulling us and like I kind of wish that they hadn't known that they were hurting us and they weren't actually the bad guys cuz that I don't yeah. know that's just it's just more satisfying to see that they didn't know what they were doing To be fair basically. though yeah. it would be hard to rationalize them not actually knowing that squishing us down to a lower dimension would kill us. I, I will say that if this episode had come out last season, and by that I mean Whitaker's second season, they absolutely would have turned out to be totally good guys Clueless. that were just on accident. That's exactly yeah. the way it would have gone down. But uh, yeah, a little more gray area. So what did you give it overall? Oh, you already told us. 130. 130. Corbin? Um, I'd just say a hundred. I mean, it really wasn't creepy. It was, they were kind of weird looking, but yeah, like, they're like, get over it. Yeah, y'all are crazy. Um, this is absolutely every bit of four hundred creep levels. Okay. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, who is the real crazy one here? Uh, uh, you two. That, Even Jared really has high. half of that. No, you two are, uh, and Jared too. I don't care. Uh, this was incredibly creepy. Uh, this was amazingly creepy, and it was terrifyingly creepy. That's all I've got to say. I, mean, I like I, I can't even defend uh, it anymore. Than that. Uh, so, uh, theories, thoughts on Missy and Heaven? We there got was a, no need to have her at the brief, <laughs> We got a brief glimpse of Missy holding an iPad saying, Clara, my Clara, I have chosen well. What? Cryptic thoughts? much? Chosen? <laughs> you thoughts? chose her? Oh, she's the lady in the shop. <laughs> She's the what now? The lady in the shop. Who's the lady in the shop? You know, the one that gave her the freaking number. Oh, the phone number. Yeah. Let her call the doctor at all. Okay, so Corbin. I think that might actually be You already be said the that, case. didn't you? No, did I? Yeah, I you, said, you said Missy is the bad guy. Missy is the lady in the shop. It's not heaven. It's hell. And then robots. it just says robots. <laughs> okay. Well, now I have double confirmation that Missy is the lady in the shop. Double confirmation all the way across the sky. Oh, Trip yeah. says Missy is not a robot. Perhaps the a creator a creator a creator of something i don't, of I don't something. know something okay so d- I, is there okay go ahead trip um i think that maybe uh, um like it isn't heaven like like they're somehow getting pulled out 
Because because as we've seen, every human that has died has like been disintegrated or whatever. Right. And like she, she obviously can like see the real world. So like she's, it seems like she's not in a different, maybe, I don't know, state of being, maybe. I don't know. I just feel like she has access to stuff that we have access to. Like, she's not a super highly advanced alien with, like... Because she's using an iPad, you mean? Special, yeah. Okay. <laughs> special so, stuff. Um, I will say this. I I remember the big the big thing that's coming. I remember that. Um, I'm fuzzy on some of the other stuff, much like the doctor has been this season. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm sad that there has not been any interaction yet. We just keep getting these stingers at the end of the episode and it's it's almost like we've gone all the way back to bad wolf where there's a mystery, except at least in this one, we are aware of it. They've acknowledged (laughs) Right. It's not (laughs) hiding in the background. Yeah. On a poster and and spray paint. Yeah. So, but other than that, we've had no interaction with the doctor. This is episode eight. And remember, we only get 12 this season. We don't, and, and 11 and 12 are a two parter. (laughs) So we've got three stories (laughs) left, right? Huh. Am I doing my math right? Wait, what episode was this? This is number nine. Nine. I don't know. Yeah. This is. Okay. So we've got 10, 11, and then, oh, that's right. We've got episode 10 and then 11, 12. So we've got two podcast episodes left. To get all of this in. Uh-huh. So now um, we did see. Um, uh, no, no, no. That was it. That was all we got was just that little bit there. Just, oh, and, I have chosen yeah, well. I have chosen well. So I guess we'll have to see uh, as we go along what she chose. Listener input. Uh, Christina had this feedback. Uh, so she gave us feedback about the Doctor Who episode. Uh, she also gave us feedback about our episode covering Kill the Moon. She says this on Facebook. Your podcast on Kill the Moon has caused the great egg debate in the Kepfer household. <laughs> so, so Christina's family has had a an ongoing debate. She says, I am currently in negotiations with my husband to get a hen. I think that's a bit far. I need answers, she says in all caps. Uh, we tried looking it up online, but came up with conflicting information. Does an egg gain weight as the baby inside grows like the doctor would have us believe? Does it maintain the same weight throughout gestation? Or does it actually lose weight? Science experiments must be done, (laughs) she says. So I did my thing. I did a little bit of research. This is great. I'm I'm sure Christina already found this website because it was when I looked up like all the keywords I could. This was the only thing thing I could find. My favorite thing is that Corbin said, why is this so heavily researched? Uh, (laughs) He was like, why are there so many autocompletes for this question? (laughs) So, um, (laughs) so where, where'd you get your source? Where, where's your information from? It's a, uh, it's a, I guess, chicken raising forum called backyardchickens.com. (laughs) Best website Ever. And um, so according to backyardchickens.com, eggs actually, uh, so like we said last episode, the the egg is a closed system. So there's not more stuff coming in. Mm -hmm. So I'd say like way more than likely the egg does not gain weight whatsoever. But due to evaporation of water through the eggshell, it, eggs actually lose weight. 
they lose weight. Now, was it that they lose weight or that they can lose weight? I don't know if it's all the time, but okay. they definitely can lose weight because the eggshell somehow allows water to evaporate through it. Okay. And this is a direct quote from one of the posts. The reason they may feel heavier to you is as the moisture inside the eggs evaporate, uh, the air cell grows at one end, and the matter inside the egg is no longer evenly distributed as it was before incubation. This may make the egg feel heavier, even though it is actually lighter. What? Which, so, that so sounds all, about right. So instead of there being a, a consistent distribution of the, of the weight throughout the egg, yeah. it is now concentrated in baby chicken form mm-hmm. at presumably one Morning. end of the egg so it and feels there's heavier. more air on the other end of the egg yeah and so therefore it can feel that's weird yeah so just the, the way it sits in your hand it yeah. can feel heavier even, even though, though it's, it's yeah like if i hand you a 20 pound weight versus i hand you like a 20 pound big rock or something it's it's more distributed so it's going to feel less heavy i guess yeah. yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I don't know. So <laughs> I love that Corbin did this deep dive. He was doing this as yeah. like Trip and I were plugging in microphones and stuff. And he's like, why are there so many searches about and this? Like, I don't understand. I actually <laughs> think this is kind of fascinating. The thought that it can lose weight and yet feel, feel heavier. heavier. Well, Christina, I, I hope this has solved the debate. Um, if we have derailed your attempts to get a chicken... Uh, then don't let your husband hear this part of this, the podcast. <laughs> just, just, just move along. I don't know. move along. Just skip over this. Like, First of all, you're going to need two chickens. That's the main thing. If you're actually trying to like hatch chickens for this experiment, but I would recommend against doing. That. Um. <laughs> anyways, it, it all depends on where she lives, how much room she's got in her backyard. Yeah, I don't know if you remember in back in North Carolina. Had chickens. Yeah, I don't know if you remember back in North Carolina, our neighbors across the street had chickens. Yeah. Did they? And, uh, oh, yeah, they did. Yeah. One got never, loose in our yard. <laughs> no, it didn't. I was about to tell you the best chicken-related story I have. This oh. is so crazy. Oh. We came out one day. How many of those are there? <laughs> not many uh, in my life. We came out one day to find a chicken hiding in our bushes. Yeah. <laughs> and so we called the neighbors and said, I think one of your chickens got loose and it's hiding in our bushes. A- we don't know how to get a chicken out of a bush. And B, can you come get your chicken? They come over. They're like, that's eh, not one of ours. <laughs> the long story short is this chicken, as happens in this part of North Carolina, there are highways where chicken trucks will go through and occasionally a chicken will get loose mm-hmm. and get off the truck on the highway. Well, and hi. so there and survive, was I guess. our neighborhood. Yeah. Our neighborhood was right along one of these main roads. And so it would not have been very far for a loose chicken to fall off a truck and end up in our front yard. And that's what happened. So our neighbors were like, well, I guess we got a free chicken. So So they they knew immediately that it wasn't one of theirs because it was a completely different breed and whatever. But it was a laying chicken. It wasn't an eaten chicken. And so they they just took it it. up. Yep. They kept it free chicken from, you know, Tyson or whoever. (laughs) So that was fantastic. Um, all right, guys. So the game plan for next week is that we are continuing with series eight, episode 10 in the forest of the night, which, oh my uh, goodness. gosh, what was the next time? Uh, did we see the next time? I'm trying did to remember. We? now. <gasps> I don't remember. Why is it that when I we watch it the day heaven. before we record, we remember less about things. It's so it terrible. Do, it doesn't have time to like marinate. Yeah, It's like a dream. Yeah. 
Anyways, uh, yeah. um, so check out episode 10 um, in, in the forest of the night. I keep wanting to say into the forest. Uh, I think it's a, a disco episode, Into the Forest I Go. Mm, uh, yeah. So we've got In the Forest, and then the following week we'll have Dark Water, part, uh, Dark Water followed by Death in Heaven. Uh, it's a two-parter uh, season finale. Death in Heaven. That's what it's called. Boy, that sure gives away a Well, bit. you know, I mean, we got to get there. Um, and then we will be covering a classic Who connection on uh, The Seventh Doctor, and let me see, do we have it? Yes, we do. Jared has given us Remembrance of the Daleks, uh, which he says mostly because... <laughs> mostly. Should I read this? Yeah, it's not a spoiler. Mostly because his companion ace beats up a Dalek with a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> that I want to see. The Daleks are so terrible at fighting, they can be beaten by a baseball bat. That's so great. So that'll be after we do uh, the season finale. So we'll have a classic Who connection on the Seventh Doctor. Then we have our Christmas special called Last Christmas, and then we'll be into uh, season nine. So uh, rapidly, uh, pretty soon, we'll be finding out what's going on with Missy, what's going on with Heaven, uh, and what else is going on with whatever else we might not know about. (laughs) Until then, guys, Noobs and the Whovian is a production of Master Closet Studios, where it's always smaller on the inside. Your senior producer is me, Austin Reason. Our audio engineer is this guy. I'm Trip. Our production editor is the other guy. I'm Corbin. Special thanks to TARDIS.Wikia.com for the trivia. Thanks to Jared for the Classic Who connection. And shout-outs to Victor, Jared, and James for their Patreon support. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Noobs and the Whovian or Twitter.com slash Noobs And email us at Noobs and the Whovian at gmail.com. Consider supporting us at noobsinthehoovian.com slash support. And on that website, you can find all of these links and more, including the full show notes. Wherever you found us, make sure that you subscribe, leave us a rating, uh, share us with a friend. What, what was I saying? I, I, I got lost in the words there. Share us with a friend, not because we're a great show, but because we watch one. As always, I'm the Whovian. Uh, my, my name is Austin, and I'm the Whovian. These are my sons, Corbin and Trip. And <laughs> we're the noobs. <laughs> Dad <laughs> is next, having a stroke. Until next time, be safe if you can, but always be amazing. Goodbye. Definitely want to stick around for the bloopers. Be whip. Are we doing another sound check? Yeah, just to yeah, make sure we just another fixed, sound check. We just fixed the live list. from Sound Check Studios. We're doing it's another the news sound the check with your like what? fifteen billionth sound uh, check. What you, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Hello, compliments of the day. A My name is herb. William Chung, and I am senior staff writer. What are you saying? I'm I'm reading spam. Okay. <laughs> Would that say wow. compliments of the day? I am a senior staff with a public bank here in Cambodia. I said bank because bank is capitalized for some reason. I am contacting you regarding a confidential business proposal that <laughs> that will be of great mutual benefit to both of us. If you are interested, kindly contact me on my private email for more details. He then gives a private email. I look forward to hearing from you soon. Best regards. William Chung. I'm interested <laughs> to see how you could benefit a bank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By giving him my money. Uh, yeah, that's the no. bank of William Chung. <laughs> <laughs> William Chung. Chicken. You have a drumstick and your brain stops ticking, Trip. <laughs> the number of times we do tick, this. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> yeah, we do do that all the in the bloopers time. of every episode. <laughs> <laughs> trip. Oh, hi. Um. Tick, tick. Oh, hi. You, you sounded kind of caught off. I don't know. Oh. <laughs>